And what I found was many of them by culture were Christians. But not many of them by relationship were. And boy, the Lord broke my heart. And we're like, Wait, somebody's got to get out of here. So I begin to beg God. I'm like, Lord, somebody needs to go out to the 13-year-olds and the 14-year-olds and the 15-year-olds. And, and Lord, somebody needs to go to the mamas of the 2-year-olds and the 3-year-olds because we, we really need to change this. And the Lord began to say, you. And I'm like, Lord, no, you misunderstood my prayer. I, I didn't ask you to send me. I love my job. I'm happy. I, I love what I'm doing. But send somebody. And the Lord said, you. And, and over and over again, the Lord began to just pour upon me that it was time for me to leave the college setting, which I loved, and to start what is now Dare for More Ministries. And that's really what we're all about. And it's going to be what we're about tonight in so many ways. Challenging people to dare for more in their walk with God. I just think if, we're, if we are truly followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and we're bored, something's wrong. Some, there's a disconnect somewhere. Uh, there's a problem in our lives at some level because we serve a great God who is doing miracles, who is still working wonders, who is doing it in our own lives as well as around the world. And so tonight I want to give you a little insight. Um, we're going to focus more tonight on global than, than our national ministry. Um, but I thought it might help out to start off with just a short video. And what I want to do in this short video is let you get a glimpse of how we're ministering to women, not only here in the U.S., but around the world. And then we'll pick up from there.
Well, that gives you a little glimpse of what we've been doing for the last few years. Uh, here in the U.S., ministering to women uh, in churches, retreats, uh, conference settings, um, opportunities to partner with schools, with prisons. Um, we've been having an opportunity to go in and to do the things that God really has called us to do. Um, and when we look at our purpose for ministry, I want you to understand it really boils down to really four simple concepts. First of all, we want to give the gospel to women. That is so important to us, that women hear the gospel because that's the hope. That is their hope. That's the greatest hope that we can give them is the salvation that they have through Jesus Christ. Another thing, though, is we want to see women grow. After they get saved, they need to grow in their faith. And so we provide resources for them. We provide training opportunities for them to go in and grow in their faith uh, as, they, as God works in their hearts. But then beyond that, we want to see them replicate their lives. And so we teach them how to, to pour into the lives of other women around them. To, discipleship is happening. And so we're watching this multiplication factor take place as God does mighty things. Um, and then to mobilize. And one of the reasons that I'm here tonight um, is to maybe help you realize the opportunities that you have to mobilize. Opportunities that you have to do things that maybe you never dreamed of, maybe uh, you've never really thought about. And many times, if you're like me, you didn't know. You just didn't know. When you look at, um, for women that are in the room tonight, and there are many of you sitting here, boy, I'm just going to tell you, this is just a moment to say, thank you, Jesus, that I was born here in the U.S. or that I live here in the U.S. and I have the wonderful privilege and the opportunity to be safe tonight. Um, I can't tell you, I can't tell you what that feels like until you stand in another country where the family goat is more valuable than the woman. Um, and I cannot explain to you what a privilege it is to, to safely go shopping with your friends and to be able to do things like this because God has blessed us to be here. Why? Well, I believe there's a reason. I don't feel like there's any room for us to sit in guilt and say, well, maybe I feel bad. I shouldn't have been born here. Oh, no, 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 no. Feel blessed and there's a reason for that. What does God want me to do because I was born here and because I have this opportunity? Um, dads, if you're sitting in the real building tonight and maybe you have a wife beside you or you have a daughter in the building, I'm going to tell you, you might want to hug her a little more tonight because there are children right now being sold all across the world um, and women who are being sold and are being kidnapped all across the world, not only here in the U.S., um, but abroad. And I'll be honest with you, I was just doing my thing. I was doing my thing. I, I was going to retreats and conferences, and I was talking to women here in the U.S., and I was, I was enjoying it and loving the blessings of God. And the Lord called us to go over to uh, partner with some people over in the Dominican Republic. And, and I went over, and I thought, I'm just going to go do my thing over there. And I went over there, and God met me there. And He opened my eyes to things I did not know. Even though I was a woman, I, I did not know. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes we just don't do anything because we don't know. But what I'm, I'm hoping tonight is about is so when you leave here, you'll know. And information is a wonderful thing if action follows it. What can we do now that we know? And I'm going to tell you, there was some things that I just did not know. Uh, this little girl sitting 
behind these bars in the Dominican Republic lives in a, a barrio or a slum in which incest is rampant and in which little girls are rented out by the hour. Why? Why in the world would anybody do this? It's inconceivable for us to even think that people would actually do this, but I'm going to explain to you why. And that's because their families are starving to death. And they don't know what else to do. And because they don't have Jesus. Because they don't know. And so they feel like they're trapped. And so a recruiter will come along and offer them $500 for their little girl. It's one less mouth to feed. And it'll feed the rest of my family for a year. I'll take it. But I didn't know. I just didn't know. When we think about slavery sometimes, we think about something that happened many, 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 many years ago. Way back in the day. But I want you to understand that there are more people enslaved today than have ever been in the history of the world. 35.8 million people are enslaved today, either by trafficking or they're forced into labor camps. They're forced to work without pay. And what blows my mind is that 61% of those 35.8 million people live in the countries of India, China, Russia, Pakistan, and Uzbekistan. And believe it or not, these are countries that are in desperate need of the hope of Jesus Christ. They have some of the most unreached people groups in all the world in these countries. I didn't know. I did not know that 80%, 80% of all the people that are enslaved, 80% of them are women. I didn't know. I also didn't know that out of that percentage, 50% of trafficking victims are under the age of 16 years old. These are little girls, and these are teenage girls. And if you, if you have these age group in your home, you can... You can look across at their faces and you can shake your head and wonder. What does our world come to and, and what are we to do? And God showed me all this and I was like, I didn't know. And when the Lord shows you, at least when he showed me, my immediate next response is, Lord, what do we do? We're a women's ministry, ministering to women. What do we do? How in the world... Can we make an impact on 35.8 million? How in the world can we? 80% of those are women. Majority of those have never heard the gospel. What can we do? And so for the last few years, I can tell you where I've spent a lot of my time. And I've spent a lot of my time on my face asking God, what do you want us to do? What does this look like? And as I talked to other women who went to church with me and, and were in churches just like mine and, and who I went and spoke with on the weekends and we were in retreats together and conferences together, all of a sudden, you know what I found out? They didn't know either. They didn't know. I mean, we've heard these terms like trafficking. And we, you know, we see the news and sometimes we see these really bad stories and we say, oh, wow, man, that was terrible. And surely it's not that way all over the world, but... Sadly, it is. There's a map that I want to show you of the world. And as you look at this map, the darker the color gets, the higher percentage of trafficking. So you can see the U.S. is kind of in a nice yellow shade. And even though we experience trafficking every day in our country, praise the Lord, we're in a, a yellow shade. But as you move across, 
you'll begin to see China and Russia and India and Nepal and Africa and places around the Middle East that are dark red. And these are places where the highest percentages of trafficking is in the world. And over the last few years, I want to tell you what God has taught me about the women who live in these places. I believe these women may be the largest unreached people group in all the world. Um, What you have to understand is that there are women who will never hear the gospel unless another woman shares it with them. If you are a Muslim and you're raised in a Muslim culture, if you do not hear the gospel of Jesus Christ from your husband or your father or an uncle or a brother, you will never ever hear it unless a woman shares it with you. Ever. Because women have no value in many places around the world, they will... no, one's, no one cares. No one cares. Somebody has to care. And I believe that God has left us here to care. In fact, I believe he's mandated us to care. And then I believe he's blessed us with the ability to care. And what does that look like? Oh, boy, that's what I've been wrestling with. Because not only are these women unreached, but they're exploited. Of course, we have women in the U.S. that are exploited as well. But I want you to understand that as you look at a global picture of women around the world, women are exploited in unbelievable ways. And when you have no value and nobody cares, so what? So what if you're exploited? doesn't really matter. So women have become a commodity. Just like I buy a cup of coffee, I buy a candy bar, I buy a woman. All the same thing. doesn't really matter. And then what's worse is that women are expendable. And when I get to this one, what this means for me is if they're unreached and they're expendable, then they're going out into eternity at a much faster rate than you and I can even comprehend. And they've never, ever heard about Jesus. Never. But there's problems. The problems are when you start to deal with women that are in these situations and when you start to deal with these struggles that, that, that we all are seeing and we're facing, you have the church over here. And we've done our typical church thing. Handed them tracts and invited them to church. Well, guess what? A woman who's on this side of it She can't read or write, and so the tracts that she's given, she doesn't know what they mean, but they're pretty, and they're colorful. And so one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen is a woman's house that's lined in wallpapered tracts with a gospel that she cannot read. They decorate with the tracts, and the gospel's all around them, and they cannot read it, and they don't know. They don't know. The other thing that is so heartbreaking is that these women do not feel worthy. When in the Dominican Republic where we work so much of the time, women will, um, women will lock, have their children at home at night. They've gone for weeks. In fact, I was, I was in the Dominican Republic working on the streets that night in the non-bad sense. Uh, work. <laughs> 
I just realized how that sounded. I was working on the street. I was, but I was with them. And we were giving them opportunities to come to soup kitchen and opportunities. And, and a lady crawled off a bus. And, and, and Allie, the, 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 the rescuer I was with, she looked across and she said, I've never seen her before. And we made our way over to this woman. And she began to talk, we got up a conversation with her. And this is what she told us. This is my first time. I live 30 minutes from here. And my kids and my family, we haven't eaten. She has no husband. He's gone. We haven't eaten in two weeks. And I have to do something because my kids are starving to death. And so I was so embarrassed. I couldn't do this in my hometown. And so I crawled on a bus and I came here tonight to work the streets, to make enough money to go home. And in the morning, I'm going to feed my kids. And I'm just going to tell you, there's nothing better than being right there at that moment. Holy Spirit, divine appointment. When you're able to look at this woman and say, you don't have to do that. And she says, I don't know. You can learn a skill. You like jewelry? How would you like to make some? And she's going, what? I can make jewelry? Are you kidding me? I don't have to do this? No. She was given a card, contact information. And boy, I stood there and prayed, oh, Father, please. And we walked away. And as we were talking to the next lady, I looked back over my shoulder as the bus pulled up and watched her crawl on. And I just went, woohoo! Because 20 minutes later, that woman's life would have looked very different. And you know, sometimes it's one at a time. But it's like that old story about saving the starfish. You may have heard that one. We may not save them all, but it sure did make a difference for that one. And there's a lady tonight that's making jewelry, and her family is eating tonight, and she's heard the gospel. And she's heard of the hope that's in Jesus Christ tonight. It's good stuff. And she's not on the streets tonight in the Dominican Republic. And that is going to change everything that follows because... She has kids. And her daughters would have followed right in her footsteps. So not only has it changed the life of one woman, but it's changed the life of her family behind her. Oh, it's good stuff. It's just good stuff. And so, but we begin to see that there was a problem. We, these women didn't feel worthy to come to church. They, they, what are we going to do? And so here was the church, and here was the women, and they're dying and going to hell, and their lives are upside down and a lot of times people with, with the answers, with hope, are not there. We're waiting on them to come to us. And that's the wrong model. In fact, over and over again, Jesus says, go, go, go. So what does that look like? <laughs> what does that look like? Well, God started opening our eyes to what that looked like. And as he, all of a sudden, I'm telling you, I've been to like two foreign countries in my whole life to speak anywhere. And the next thing you know, my phone and my email is going bing, 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 bing. Hey, can you come? Can you come? Can you come? And I'm going, what? To a point where I thought the Lord may want us to close down our, our United States ministry and completely go international. The next thing you know, I'm standing in India looking at women who have, are you ready for this, ladies? 
who have never been to anything for women in their entire lives. Ever. They're sitting in a room and they don't know what to do. And they're just all looking around at the really tall white girl <laughs> who's trying to keep a scarf on her head. And, they're, and they don't know what to do because it's the first time ever, ever, they had been in anything for women. And we got to share with them the amazing grace of the Lord Jesus Christ on the heart and on the life. Then the next thing you know, I mean, we're kicked from India and, and, and all over the continent. We begin to see from Africa to Mexico, um, everywhere, I mean, jungles of Mexico, everywhere we go, God is just kicking us here, there, and everywhere. And it's the same thing, Brother Malcolm, over and over and over again. It's like, okay, we get it. We get it. We're listening. And we begin to get a, a, an understanding of what's happening, and we begin to see a model that can be put in place that can really, really work, but it's a really different model. It's a different model. And this is one of the things that I was so excited to share, and so excited not to, only to share with you, but also to share with all the young people that are sitting here, because there's a lot of young people that are like, man, I really have a passion for issues in the world, and I really have a passion to make a difference in the world that I live on, but I don't think God's calling me to be a missionary. Well, God has called us all to share our faith. Amen. True? Yeah. All of us. Whether it's here in Coleman or whether it be in the Dominican Republic. So you don't have to do all those things as Pastor was telling you because that was so true. But guess what? God is, God is allowing people across the globe to go at it from a little different perspective. And it's getting people immediately on the field doing the very thing that they absolutely love to do and winning people to Christ in ways you cannot believe. And to me, that's exciting. For every, for every young person sitting here, but not just for the young people. Because if you're breathing, you still have purpose. If you're breathing, we still have purpose here tonight. It, you know, it's not shuffleboard time yet. We still got stuff to do. And what does that look like? And what has God called us to do? And so as we began to realize that somebody needed to be a voice for those who had none. So one of our burdens that God laid on us was go make people aware. Make people aware. They need to know. And not just any people need to know. The church needs to know. The people who pray need to know. To pray to the God of heaven who actually changes things. We, we need to know. People who have been blessed, women who have been blessed to be here need to know. Men who have daughters and sisters, wives and mothers, they need to know. They need to know. So awareness was one of the things that we began to do is just begin to make people aware of what was going on and to try to be a voice for those who have no voice tonight, who would never come here and could never stand here and could never tell you their stories. We try to come and give you an idea of what their stories are. And so the Lord has led us to start a global endeavor in which we are partnering with missionaries and church planners and partnering with those who are doing business as missions. Okay, let me tell you how exciting doing business as missions is. I was, I was telling uh, uh, your pastor this. 
there's, there's some friends of ours that are going to Madrid to open up an Italian restaurant. So they can share the gospel with the people of Madrid. That means they work in the community. They live in the community. They serve the community. They get to know the community by serving them Italian food. And doing something that they're very passionate about. Italian food. Anybody in here passionate about Italian food? All right, a few of you? Yeah. All right. They, so they're doing something they love. Something that's needed. And they're pouring into a, a community all for the sole purpose of getting the gospel. Amen. There are people in Nepal right now, you're going to love this one, that are doing aquaponics. What in the world is that? Y'all are going to love this. It's a fish pond, and as fish swim around in the water and produce waste, that's politely said. I can say poop. Okay. Okay. As the fish poop in the water, those nitrates from that poop, or that water then, is pumped back through and is growing lettuce. They're feeding most of the country of Nepal in lettuce. And guess who runs the fish farm and the aquaponics? Women who've been rescued. Is that cool or what? All around the globe, people are teaching people to do a skill. Helping them get food on their tables. Health care that they need. To see a doctor. To get something dealt with. To drink fresh water that keeps them from sicknesses and diseases. All for the purpose of the gospel. That means doctors, lawyers, teachers, electricians, plumbers, engineers... You name it, can go anywhere in the world they want to and share the gospel. Because you're not going as a missionary. You can't go into Nepal as a missionary. But you can go in as a fish poop specialist. (laughs) Is God not cool? I'm just telling you, it's one of the coolest things. And here's what we're watching happen. We're watching young people get excited again about doing the work of the Lord. We're watching churches say, are you kidding? We can make this kind of difference? Are you kidding me? We've got purses out in the hallway that are made by women in the Dominican Republic. Their little girls have been rescued from trafficking or they have been rescued from trafficking. And as a result of that, in fact, you saw some of their faces on the video. And as a result of that, their mothers are making bags to support their families. Are you ready for this? There's a bag out there that you can purchase for $35 that's going to feed that entire family for a week. That gives that woman a job, security. That means she's not going to be trafficked. She's not going to be a target for traffickers. And neither are her children. And you know what? There's not a woman. Well, I shouldn't say there's not a woman. There might be one or two of you. But it'll be the rare girl in here that's not going to buy a purse sometime this year. Guess what? I can buy it from Belks, Dillard's, Kohl's, tar- Target. Sure I can. Or I can buy a woman who's been rescued from trafficking and completely change her life. Oh, I know where I'm getting it from. That's easy. 
That's easy. And so we're finding a model that works. And here's what the model is looking like that's changing lives. It's a bridge in between here and there. Between the church and the women who are lost. And the children who are lost. And so this is what it looks like. It's, it's a process of building outreach centers. So that it starts with education. An opportunity for women to learn a skill. Like making a purse, for instance. And now she has income coming in. And now she has a way to take care of her family and to take care of her children. In Africa, for instance, this is a great example. In Africa, because a woman has no value, when her husband dies, and many of them do die because of AIDS in Africa, many of them die at early ages. So you can have a woman who is 28 or 29 years old with four or five children because she's been married since she was 12. Because that's the way they do it in many of the parts of Africa. It's forced child marriages. So here she is. The husband's family comes in and takes everything that woman owns. Because she has no value. It was all the husband's. It was never any of hers to begin with. And leaves her with the children and nothing. So what does a widow in Africa do? When she's got all of her kids. And no way to shelter them. And no way to take care of them. And no way to feed them. And this is where, as we come in and partner with missionaries and with church planners, people who are already on the ground, people who have been there, people who are running, doing businesses missions, and help them to be able to create a model that works so that women can have a skill, they can learn to read and write. In Nepal, there's an English training center right now that's teaching women to read and to write in English because Eng- learning a second language is a really big, big deal and English is huge. If you know English, you're, you're getting further down the road in your country than if you just know your language. Well, guess what? Guess what their, guess what their primary in- uh, reader is? The Bible. <laughs> so we've got Tibetan people and Nepali people, Buddhist, Hindus in the b- b- beginning God. And so the Hindus want to know, which God is that? And the believers have to say, let us tell you. He's not the which one, he's the only one. And people are learning to read and getting saved. It's good stuff. And it doesn't look the way it's always looked. There's no minivans and 10 years on the road trying to raise support. And there's nothing wrong with those things. Those things can still work. But I'm going to tell you, this is putting college-age young people on the field, around the globe, doing what they love for two, three years, maybe for longer. This is putting people in short-term opportunities. You see the hairdresser? Do we have any ladies here who you cut hair for a living? You're a hairdresser for a living. Anybody in here? One, two, three. Okay, a few of you out there. Okay, yes, some of your husbands are reminding the wives what they do. Get their hand up. (laughs) Do you know that we take women who do hair to the Dominican Republic to teach women who've been rescued how to do hair because they're going to open up a salon as soon as they get trained? I'm leaving for the Dominican on Thursday. We got three nail techs. No lie. You know what they're going to do? They're going to teach these women how to do nails. Why? Because rich people in the Dominican Republic, which is like, you know, 47 of them, but 
the drug dealers' wives in the capital get their nails done. Who better to do their nails than a rescued, a double rescued woman? Rescued from trafficking and rescued from sin. To sit and do the nails. Oh, yeah, this is good. Missionaries are calling us and saying, would you come? Would you come? Would you come? Would you please come? Could you come and help us? Could you come and help us figure this out, Lord willing? We're praying through all of this and putting so many pieces in place right now. But Lord willing, uh, next year, uh, we'll be in the Dominican three times this year. And and I'm just going to throw this out to you girls in the building. We take women on mission to the Dominican Republic to minister to women and children who've been rescued. Next week, I'm going to take women from all around the country. But in July, I'm taking two church groups, one from Ohio and one from Michigan. I think in 2016, we should take one from Coleman, Alabama. We've had them as old as 77 (laughs) and as young as 17 who have gone, and you know what? I don't know what God will do on your life on that trip, but I can tell you this. You go thinking you're going to help them, and you come back more changed than anybody. As God just shows us, what can we do? We can be advocates. We can do so many things that we don't realize, but I'm going to tell you where we got to get. we got to get our minds off us four and no more. we we got to lift our heads up and realize that all around you in your own community there are needs. And, and, and all around us are globally there are needs. And it's a really awesome thing. Let me, let me tell you what it looks like. And we're going we're gonna to wind things up tonight. There's a plan that we've put in place. And I would ask you tonight, if you do absolutely nothing else, would you pray? Would you pray for us? The plan is to, as God allows us to, to go into places, to put the model into place in, an, in a way that works for that place not americanize it they don't need american ways they need their ways and then as we do that we have an opportunity to give them clean water food education medical attention and skill training as a means to giving them the hope that it's only found in jesus christ and this is the bridge and we'll train women who are in the church here's how it looks in the dominican Dominican women going to the church, believers who have been discipled and are growing in their faith, are pouring into women who have been rescued by teaching them all of these things, by working with them, teaching them skills. These women, these women are getting saved, and guess what? Let's see, tonight is uh, Wednesday, Saturday night. In the Dominican Republic, there'll be a woman on the streets in a different way than she's normally on the streets because, see, she was redeemed. She was rescued. She has grown in her faith. She's been discipled. And a few months ago, she came to her safe house leader and she said, I want to go with you. I want to go with you. I want to be able to look them in the face and say, I have stood where you've stood. I've been where you've been. And I can tell you there is hope. So Saturday night in the Dominican Republic, there'll be a woman out there and it's multiplying. As God is doing what only God can do. And the hearts and lives of women and little girls around the world. And also in men. Men are beginning to understand as they trust Jesus Christ. That 
Women and men's roles are very, very different. And God has called us and given us different assignments. But he loves not one more than the other. He does not value one more than the other. One is not worth more to him than the other. Although we have different assignments. And although we'll play different roles in our families and in our societies. And in what God has called us to do. And we'll, oh boy, we'll give an account for different things. But as men begin to understand this, as they come to faith in Christ, guess what's happening? It's changing the dynamic of the places in which they live. It's pretty exciting stuff. One, there are two things we'll focus on as we go. And that is, one will be prevention. Do you realize how many women we save, we're rescuing girls? By saving the woman, you've helped her daughters. You've helped her sons. It's a pretty amazing thing. So prevention is huge. But not only is prevention huge, but restoration is huge as well. Huge. That we can help restore these women. And I'm going to tell you, all the people in all the world can go and give them all the help they want. But if you can't give them Jesus, you can't restore their souls. That You just can't. You just can't. And so we feel like this is such a, a part of the process. So why did I come here tonight? <laughs> you may be asking yourself the same question. Well, here's one of my passions. And that as I come as a recruiter for the future, <laughs> I'm not going to live forever. And I, one of these days I'm going to be too old to do this. And time is short and I don't know when Jesus is coming. This is not time to twiddle our thumbs and make a 12-year plan. This is time to ask the Lord, here my Lord, what can I do? What does that look like in my life? And so, I'm here tonight, wanted, kingdom visionaries with a heart for the world, a passion for the gospel, who are ready to have the adventure of a lifetime. Serving Jesus is not boring. And if you're bored, come work with me for a few weeks. Because I'm just going to tell you, it's exciting stuff to watch what God is doing in the lives of people around the world. So one of that's one of the reasons I'm here tonight. You say, well, what could I do? Well, what could you not do? You're passionate about water? Well, guess what? <laughs> You're not going to believe this, but there, are, <laughs> there is a shortage of clean water around the world. At least 783 million without safe water. Think about that next time you turn on your tap. 783 million people without fresh water. That's 783 reasons to give them Jesus. We can demonstrate the love of God. What, did Jesus not say if you give a cup of cold water in whose name? Absolutely. A cup of cold water. And there are organizations around the globe that are providing cold, fresh water for people to drink that won't kill them. There's young people sitting here and you're thinking, man, that's awesome. I'd like to dig a well. I'd like to make that kind of difference. Well, come on. What you waiting on? Come on. Because there's a place for you. Living Water International is one of the local organizations that does this. I'll connect you with them. You'll love it. Go dig some wells for Jesus. For Jesus. Maybe you got some got any outdoor people in here. You just kind of like outdoors. You like the hiking and the whole camping and the whole deal. Well, let me show you a place you might be surprised to see. This is an aerial view of Nepal. When you fly over Nepal, 
you will see hundreds of places that look just like this. Terraced land for growing rice with little teeny roads that zig up. And if I could show you the down tilt of this thing, (laughs) you'd realize you're not getting there without effort. There are people sitting in this building, and you know what? Climbing something like that gets you up in the morning. You're just like, oh. Crossfit nothing. Bring it on. I mean, you're just all about it. Outdoors, hiking, climbing. We need somebody to be passionate enough to go to Nepal and climb this thing and get these people the gospel. Do what you love. Do what you love. Every day hiking some of the coolest places in the world. And while you're at the top, would you please share Jesus? While you're giving guided tours of some of the most wonderful places in all the world. Do you see what I'm saying? You don't don't need to get a van. Get a passport. And go out and get excited about doing what you love. It's really kind of cool. Some of you have dreams of medical Visions of medical doctors, nurses, different kinds of things like that. Do you realize that there's organizations like Doctors Without Borders that are traveling all over the globe to give people medical help? Some of you could give, some of you could go with me to the Dominican Republic for one week because you're a doctor or a nurse and you could change somebody's life. Some of you could go longer. We got surgeons that are going. Doctors that are going, nurses that are going, people who can go and make huge differences in areas that I could never touch. Never touch. So what will it take? Well, it's going to take churches. It's going to take God's people. I can just tell you if this is ever going to happen, it's going to take churches supporting it and getting behind it and getting excited about it. And I know it's different. I know it is. It, it, you know, I'm not standing up here saying, hi, my name's Reba, and in three months I'm leaving and going to so-and-so place, and I'll be there, and I'm going to, I know I'm not saying that. It's really different. But we can't do it unless the church gets behind us and gets excited about it. Well, we need you to buy purses. <laughs> we need you to buy jewelry. We need you to give. We need you to go. We need you to do all kinds of amazing things. It's going to take business, people. Not just churches, but also it's going to take business people. Some of you own your own business. And I'm going to tell you, you could really make a difference in, in an opportunity to help around the globe. Not only with your skill and your training and your knowledge, but also with the assets that God has given to you. It's incredible what you might be able to do that you just had no idea that you could do. It's also going to take individuals. Because really when it all boils down, that's who God calls. He just speaks to us right here in the small place, and it's still a small place in our hearts, and says, it's you. It's you. Our, I want you to pray with me for two things. Our goals this year, uh, well, one goal this year is to raise $120,000 of sustainable income. What I mean by sustainable is, if somebody came tomorrow and wrote me a check for $120,000, that's awesome. But what would I do next year? So we're praying that individuals, churches, and businesses will come alongside and will begin to support us in a way, whether it be monthly or quarterly or yearly, 
but in some way where they will partner with us in this so that we can see sustainable income, so that we can kick this whole thing off. And Lord willing, Lord willing, I would love in five years to see our first outreach center built and operated completely. Actually, I'd love to see it a lot sooner than that, but I feel like that's the right thing to pray for. If it happens sooner, y'all probably hear me holler from Chattanooga. As God just does what only he can do. And, and so, would you pray with us? Would you pray with us? I, I believe this. God does not need me. I truly believe that. I don't believe he needs me at all. He could save the world without me. He could stop trafficking right now without me. He does not need me. And that's why it blows my mind that he lets me be a part. That he lets you be a part. That he lets any of us be a part. I hear people talk about investments all the time and I look at the stock market and I go, whoo, <laughs> that's a scary place. So I've just decided to invest my life in something for eternity. Something that I may not see a dividend come back here on a little sheet at the end of my year. But there's a day I'm going to stand before the Lord. And oh, how I pray. Oh, I pray that he says, well done. I pray then that I can look around and start counting dividends. In souls. And people I don't even know. People I'll never meet. I'll never touch. I'll never put my arm around them. I'll never love on them. I'll never have a part. But I had a part in one person's life, and they had a part in another, and they had a part in another, and then they had a part in another, and that's how they got to Jesus. And I believe that's how God is, just the miraculous way that he uses us. So, young person, if you're sitting here tonight wondering what to do with your life, don't come talk to me if you don't want something to do. Because I'm just going to tell you, God's doing some awesome things. And maybe tonight would be a night where you could just say, Lord, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what you'd have me to do. But I will promise you this. I'm going to walk with you and surrender to you. And if you could use me, here I am. Here I am. I'll go. But oh, young, old people, that's me. Before we sit back and say, yes, Lord, speak to them young people's hearts. Yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. Lord, help them. Yes. <laughs> I want to ask you to do the same thing. <laughs> what would it look like? If you just said, Lord, what would that look like for me? Could I go on a trip? Could I give? Could I pray? Could I commit to pray? And as we close tonight, Pastor comes back up. I want to ask us to pray for one thing. And I'd like for maybe Pastor to close however he sees fit. But as you close, I'd like us to pray for this one thing. Right now in Nepal, because of the earthquakes, people are in devastation. Recruiters are swarming Nepal right now. And enticing women and children to be sold into trafficking. Because they have no homes and they have no way to feed their families. It's potential that hundreds and thousands have already been taken. And I can just tell you, we need the Lord. And so tonight as we close, there's a lot of places on the globe we could pray for, and there's a lot of things that are in need. But boy, I sure would like for us to take just a moment and pray for Nepal. And pray for those women and children to be safe. And to pray for those recruiters, that they would be blocked at every turn. 
at every turn. And then maybe tonight as we pray, you could ask the Lord, what would that look like for me, Lord? How could I get involved in some small way, in some big way, to make a difference? I just didn't know. Well, now you do. What are we going to do about it? Thank you. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's, let's do 